Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Dear ones, you've joined us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast, and we are really happy that you're here. My name is John Russin. I'm the host and I'm here with my dear friend, hot and sweaty, Pastor Frank Friedman. How are you down there? <laughs> it's actually a cooler day today in South Louisiana. Winter is coming where it'll Winter be, uh, yeah, 75 instead of 95. <laughs> well, that's good. I, I remember living there, and about this time of the year, I'd hear my wind chime on the back porch tinkle for the very first time. <laughs> and I'd say, ooh, how exciting. The giant perpetual fog is going to be lifting a little while. Well, friends, if you've just joined us, Frank and I are in the middle of a series we're calling Pivotal Words, Phrases in Scripture. And we've talked about the but God. We spent a few episodes on that. Those were amazing. And last time we began another pivotal word, and that's grace. And boy, did we bite off a chunk, didn't we, my friend? More than we could chew. <laughs> that's right. So I want to pick up where we left off last time, and I want to do a little of digging into the original languages of the word grace. Mm. Okay. Now I am not a linguist uh, as you are, but I did some diving into the Hebrew and the Greek to try to learn a little more about grace, the word grace. And it turns out that uh, from an academic perspective, both of these words describe an attitude, a mindset that is always showing kindness always constructive, always redemptive, and always honoring. And I thought, wow, those are beautiful pictures. Mm. But then I started digging a little more deeply. And I found that some Hebrew scholars actually added this word, Frank. They added the word elegance. And wow. I thought, wow. What an amazing word. So when I say the word elegance, Frank, related to grace, what does that bring to your mind? Uh, John, instantly, when you say that, I think of royalty, but a specific type of royalty. I think of a princess. And in the Bible, that's really what we have become. We're the bride of Christ. And we're a princess because he's the king. So we're the prince and princess of his kingdom. And John, you know, I'm, I've been teaching on the bride. So my mind was already there. But when I picture like in Revelation 19, when we, the bride, meet and have that marriage ceremony with our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ, it, it says clothed in fine linen, which is the righteous acts of the saints. And so when you said elegance, I think of a bride wrapped up in that beautiful gown, which is the righteous acts. It's the way we live. It's the, the way we carry ourselves. There's a 
dignity and honor, a, a respect with which we walk. And boy, John, if that's what grace transforms us into from what we were, uh, dead in our trespasses and sins, living according to the prince of the power of the air. My goodness, John, it's a 180 degree transformation from mud, you know, into glory. Uh, what a great term, elegance. I had never heard that word used, spoken of grace. So so thank you. You know, it's, it's kind of cool when you think about it, because not only does our Father show us kindness and compassion and favor, always, he does it with style, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he does it with class. I, I, I just love the way elegance rings in my mind. And mm. you're talking about royalty, my friend. I'm sitting here thinking, what does a princess or a prince have to do to become a princess or a prince? They mm. have to do absolutely nothing. They are born into it. Yeah. And so that rings true with the fact that we are not only born again as God's children, but he births us as full mature heirs to all he is and all he has. And so my goodness, you don't have to do anything except just be born again to Mm. be this royalty. You don't have to work hard. You don't have to go to preacher school. You don't have to go to professor school. You don't have to go to elder school or counselor school. You just have to show up as a kid of the king. Mm. And that describes you. My goodness, Frank, when I think about that, and then I think about how we in the church treat each other, I think, Mm. wow, we are Mm. so missing the core point of what it means to be Uh, recipients of elegant grace, aren't we? Well, you know, John, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking when you say born again, the thought that popped in my brain was, and that means born from above. So sourced in God, who is the elegant royal king of the universe. And so this truth, like you said, we just have to believe it. It's when we do, when we dare to believe what God says, it becomes transformational because you won't just sit on a shelf and say, you know, look at me, I'm I'm elegant. You live that way. You walk that way. You enter into the trenches of life that way. And then you treat others that way. And it's, it's a way, the grace, oh my goodness, it's not just a possession but it's it's a way to transform the world when it's put into practice and believed. So huge concept. It is. And you know, those of us who receive grace do absolutely nothing to deserve it because God gives us himself. He is the free gift he gives us and he gives us himself in abundance. And so when I think, Frank, relationally on how we treat each other sometimes. It's mm-hmm. almost as if, to go back to your analogy of royalty and robes, that we're taking off our royal robes and we're just throwing them in a pile and putting our dirty old rags, the rags we wore when we were in the kingdom of darkness, 
We're throwing our righteous robes aside and we're putting those old dirty rags back on again. Uh, mm. that's, that's how we treat each other sometimes. The scripture is so clear. Put on Christ. Cast off what you were before. That's not who you are anymore. So grace, mm. as you said, my friend, is absolutely transformational in our lives, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, you know something, John, I'm listening to you and I'm having this thought. If it isn't transformational, it isn't grace. It isn't grace. Because then it's just become an issue of the mind, the intellect, the belief system. And the way you'll see it is people who say, oh, yeah, I get grace from God, but they don't give grace to others. Then they really didn't get grace from God. (laughs) It's just a concept. It's just a doctrine. Because the person comes with the power of his own person, his presence within you that gets unleashed through you. So the truth is, if you're not gracious to other people, you don't know grace. That's the bottom line. That's true. You've received it, but you don't even know what you have. Frank, I'm I'm focused on this concept of the fact that God expresses his grace to us in relationship with us. And Mm -hmm. so we, in the same way, because he lives in us, are to express grace relationally to others. And Mm. that means that when we find ourselves locked in the trenches, that cool phrase you just said a few moments ago, we find ourselves stuck in the trenches and we see tragedy and suffering all around us. Grace has us there for a reason. So we can speak grace into the circumstances of the lives of those who are trudging through the trenches. Uh, You've seen that a lot, haven't you? And how has a word of grace to someone in the trenches made a transformational difference. Oh, John, do you have a few weeks? Do I? Yes, I know. We just spent an hour. We just spent an hour before we started talking about a circumstance in which that happened. So, capsulated <laughs> in a couple minutes. Oh, John. You know, we're all living in a world we weren't designed to live in. We were designed for the Garden of Eden, a paradise, and so things happen to us that we. We're never supposed to have happen. And then we have emotions that go off that we were never supposed to have go off in the way they're going off. And very often we can feel in those trenches as if we're alone and that no one cares, no one understands. And I think one of the most profound things I've ever seen, and that's when Jesus started his ministry. You know, for 30 years, he lived in insignificance. He was just a carpenter. But at 30, the age when a man becomes a priest, he was baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit came upon him. The public ministry begins. The first thing he does is go into the wilderness to do battle with Satan and tell him, I'm here to crush your head. It's over. Then he comes back into civilization, sits down in the synagogue, opens up the scriptures and reads. And John, what he read was the spirit of the Lord God is upon me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort those who mourn, to set free those who are in bondage, to exchange the mourning for praise You know what I found fascinating in that, John? He didn't even mention dying for our sins. That's right. His ministry was the ministry of grace, the ministry of compassion. And oh, by the way, I'll die for your sins. But learn of me. Learn of who I want to be in your life. 
uh, I, I get it. I came here. I understand what life is like in this world. That's why I'm a sympathetic high priest. Now, as high priest, I'll take care of the sacrifice, but I'm here to be your friend. And John, that's what he wants to be in us. So that's how I would encapsulate it. Our first mission is not to announce the gospel and force someone into a corner so they intellectually agree with us. We're to love them, grace them, mercy them, kindness them. And they'll want to know who we are and why we do what we do. And then we can lead them to Jesus. That's right. Wow. Pretty overwhelming. You know, it's almost as if uh, by focusing, I, I, I want to be really careful when I say this, by focusing on the cross, on the blood of Jesus and his sacrifice, we miss the root source of that the grace mm. of God. Mm. And I, I don't want to do that. I, I want to embrace his sacrifice for what it is and what it did for me, but want to look beyond to what the root motivation was. It was because of love. It was a compassion. It was of grace that he mm. did all of this. Yeah, John, I don't know that anybody has ever said it better than Steve Pettit, you know, our mutual friend. He said this, the Lord Jesus Christ did not come for the express purpose of dying for your sins. He came to establish and secure a relationship with you and dying for your sins was the only way he could get that relationship. The, the sacrifice was a means. It wasn't the end. It was the means to a greater end, which was that we could be restored to God. Frank, what you just said is something that we've kind of alluded to all along. It's the next point I want to bring up, and it's this, that grace isn't something God has. Mm. Grace is something he is. If mm -hmm. it were something he has, Frank, he could turn it on or turn it off, depending mm. on his mood. Mm. And isn't that how we as the church sometimes look at God. Well, he really showed grace to me today because some good thing happened. No, mm. he doesn't turn it on or off depending on his mood. He is grace. It's, it's his identity. And every single thing he does is rooted in grace. Mm. Uh, why is it important, Frank, to distinguish between being something God is versus something God has. Well, you already hinted at it in a major way. If it's something he has, then it's something he might choose to not have and we'd be in trouble. So being his nature, and this is a very important point, John, it's always been grace. I think sometimes the, the church community thinks that grace is something that began with the new covenant when Jesus died, buried, and was rose again, ascended, and sent the Holy Spirit. And that's a deception. There are people who even teach a thing called dispensationalism, where there was an age of law and an age of innocence, and now we're in an age of grace. That's not biblical. It's always been grace. Just to drive this home, John, it was grace when we were created. I mean, you can't deserve to be created because you can't do anything to get 
the deserving. <laughs> we were created in grace. It was grace to Noah. It was grace to Abraham. Hey, let me call you out a pagan idolatry moon worshiper, and I'm going to bring you into life, and you'll be a source of life for others. You know, it was grace for David. It was. It's always been grace because God is grace. We have simply entered in to a fuller understanding of grace in a new covenant economy, but it's always been grace because God himself is grace. And grace simply, John, you go back to the Trinity. He, he exists in an intimate, dynamic love relationship. And because it's love, he wanted to share. That's what love does. And so he created us. Mm. And so it love, grace, I see them, John, almost as dynamic synonyms with just little twists of difference. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. One last thought, and then we'll wrap this up. You and I were raised in a certain denomination. We were raised in the Roman church, and they tend to look at grace as something God gives in doses, mm -hmm. kind of like scooping into a bucket of ice cream and giving us a scoop or two. You know, the Catholic church isn't the only one that believes that. You know, other denominations do too. They look at them as sacraments, you know, special times when extra doses of grace are given. But, you know, I don't see that in scripture, my friend, and you've already hinted at this. When God gives us himself, he gives us himself without limit. Mm. That means the overwhelming, never-ending, super abundant grace that he is, is ours always, always. And we wrote this phrase in our commentary, so I'm going to throw it in here because I like it so much. Good. Just as water flows to the deepest part, grace moves to meet our deepest needs. It's so much a part of meeting every need we have, the deepest cry of our hearts, that it can't possibly be sufficient if it just gets distributed in scoops. If there's one thing I wish, and I hope our listeners hear this here, hear our hearts. When we talk like we have talked today, we're not trying to be critical or negative about churches and, and what they teach. Our heart's desire is that people realize that it's always much better, more better. <laughs> it's, uh, we are in union with the person of God through the new covenant. That, that's a concept that's so hard for people, but we have to lay hold of it if we're going to understand what the grace of God is. In Colossians 2, and, and I'll leave you with this thought, John, in Colossians 2, it says, in Christ dwells the fullness of God in a body. The very next verse says, and he dwells in you fully and completely. So we have the fullness of God inside of us. Grace doesn't have to be meted out to us in portions from the outside in. We have the infinite person of grace who wants to express himself from the inside out. Uh, that's laying hold of grace, I think. What a great name for a book inside out seems like somebody already <laughs> had that some years ago yes, yes well friends you've been listening to frank and me talk about our very paltry understanding 
of grace. And if Father has ministered to you today, we invite you, please take a look at our website, OurResoluteHope.com. We'd love to hear from you. There's a way for you to contact us on the website. You'll find a bunch of articles, devotionals, eBooks, uh, newsletters. Please sign up for our newsletters. We'd love for you to hear what's on our heart. And each one of these focuses on Jesus Christ, the living, breathing grace of God. Mm. My goodness. And we're going to close today, as we always do, Frank, with this reminder from Hebrews chapter 6. It's an anchor for our souls, the writer to Hebrews calls it. Peter calls it a living hope. We call it a resolute hope. So today and always, choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.